Welcome to Don't Waste the Chaos, the podcast where transparent conversations collide with business brilliance. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, formerly a 20-year HR and operations pro, now turned entrepreneur. I'm so thrilled to have you on board because guess what? In the heart of chaos, there's not just challenge, there's opportunity. Get ready for a roller coaster of insights, laughter, and a dash of entrepreneurial magic. Let's dive in and make chaos our playground. If you don't currently have a regular email list you are using to grow your business, you should. You can't just rely on social media to get people to move through your sales funnel. In my business, I use Flowdesk to make my weekly emails look awesome. Flowdesk is a platform that lets you design and send on-brand emails, forms, and sales pages with custom fonts, layouts, and analytics. You can grow your list, sell online, and publish opt-in forms with Flowdesk. And right now, they are giving my listeners 50% off their first year, which is an amazing deal. Go to don'twastethechaos.com forward slash Flowdesk to learn more, or go directly to their website at flowdesk.com forward slash the letter C forward slash carry R, which is K-E-R-R-I-R, or use the code carry R at checkout. Welcome back to Don't Waste the Chaos, where we explore the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and help you navigate through the chaos to achieve your goals. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts. Today, we're diving into a topic that's near and dear to many aspiring business owners. How do you know if you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? So let's jump right in. Many people dream of starting their own business, but not everyone is cut out for entrepreneurship. Today, I'm going to talk about some key indicators that suggest someone might have what it takes to succeed in this challenging but rewarding journey. When I look back over the last 41 years of my life, there are several flashing lights in my journey that point toward entrepreneurship. And the funny thing is, I spent my first 15 plus years in the corporate world saying out loud that I never had a desire to own my own business. I would say things like, Well, I heard my mom groan um, almost nearly every dinner time that we had because my dad was going to be late or his plate was going to get cold, but he was always working. And I told myself first as a stepmom and then as a biological mom that I would never be that parent. And if you've known me in the past, you know, the funny thing is I completely disregarded the fact that while I was a step parent and a biological parent, we had a nanny. We had housekeepers, and don't let me lie, we still do. We had people who could drive our kid around to activities. We had people driving us around to activities back in my heavier drinking days. We had pool people, landscapers, sprinkler people, you name it. And even with all of that help, I regularly had conflict in my marriage because of the number of hours I spent in the office and the number of balls and galas and networking events I attended to represent the companies I was in. Friends, I was having panic attacks. I was overweight. I was numbing myself with substances. And then I'd wake up to do it all again the next day. That was me working in someone else's business. So it's so ironic that I cited the amount of time I would have to work was the reason why I wouldn't start my own business. Now, I'm not saying being a workaholic is a great thing. It's something that I've had to work on so much in my life. But one of the things I look for is passion and vision when it comes to key indicators that someone has what it takes to succeed in their startup. 
Successful entrepreneurs often have a burning passion for an idea or a vision and a clear sense of purpose driving them forward. Many times this means lack of balance or no balance. So I don't love the whole work-life balance concept, even though I once managed a team that was called that. So it's one life. It reminds me of my Christian upbringing, where we would often talk about being the same person on a Sunday morning that we were all week. We are one person, one soul, and we need integration. We need congruency. We don't need a scale that's always tipping in a different direction, depending on what room we were in. In 2011, I was working in a mortgage company. It was still running like a startup, but it was in a giant pivot. This transition period was hard on so many people. And when I got recruited to join, I was pumped to see them wanting to bring some method to the madness. The company was scaling super quickly. They had an awesome product in the marketplace and they were growing in market share like every single day. I wanted to get underneath this mission and vision and push it up the hill. It was one of the most exciting roles in my life that I had gotten recruited for at that point. There was this sea of opportunity and I wanted to be a part of all of it. And that's what I was sold on. There was more work than hours in the day, which for a person like me sounded like a great way to live my life to the fullest professionally. But it wasn't long, and I'm talking just a couple of months after I joined there before an executive at that company gave me some coaching. He told me not to be hard to manage. He looked at me, pushed his chair back, crossed his arms and said, don't be hard to manage. It put me back on my heels because in my mind, and I was a director level at the time, I would have loved to have a person as driven and passionate and hardworking and reliable as I was on my own team. I would have cloned me any day of the week. But he went on to explain that a person like me brings challenge to leaders who are there to work a steady pace and to essentially go home at 5 p.m. I was rocking the boat. And while I thought about how much I personally love a boat rocker, I was in a sticky situation because it wasn't being appreciated in me. Even then, I thought I'd learn how to navigate and I would still rise to the top. But spoiler alert, within five years, I felt turned inside out. I was having panic attacks. My leader felt threatened by me. And ultimately she stabbed me so hard in the back. I struggled to come up for air for months. So initiative and creativity are crucial. Entrepreneurs need to be proactive and resourceful, always seeking out new opportunities and solutions to problems. They need to be resilient and willing to persevere through challenges and setbacks. So even if a company says they have an entrepreneurial spirit, The leader at the top must be very strong and confident, or that spirit will not only be crushed like it was in me, it will be candidly shoved out the door. I should have known at that moment that I should go out on my own, but I kept pushing forward in the corporate world. Now, thank goodness, resilience is key for entrepreneurs. So especially when facing the inevitable obstacles that come with entrepreneurship. So I didn't know it back then, but luckily I was only flexing my muscles to prepare myself for a total evolution in 2023. Super, super painful at this time, but a great lesson learned prepared me for where I'm at today. So another key indicator is risk tolerance. If someone has a higher risk tolerance, they have a higher probability of succeeding as an entrepreneur. 
I took a quiz when I was in my MBA program, which was in uh, 2010, that rated our risk tolerance. And the funny thing is, at that time, I was rated nearly risk adverse. It's so funny how hard I was fighting it. Entrepreneurs have to be comfortable with uncertainty and willing to take calculated risks to pursue their goals. They also need to be adaptable and flexible and able to pivot their strategy when necessary. I would say things um, that feel like risky to me every single day now. Ironically, it's way riskier, in my opinion, to be inside of a business, someone else's business, where they can decide if they're going to bless you with a raise this year, or if you're a culture fit anymore, or if you deserve a promotion. I would take the risk of failure in my business every single day, because that risk sits squarely on my shoulders and no one else's. Other key indicators for successes of, of, as an entrepreneur are flexibility and adaptability. They are crucial in the ever-changing landscape of business. So if you're a person who says, change is hard, unless you're saying that in a like, oh, bless his heart type of tone about someone else, then entrepreneurship really isn't for you because change is like to the nth degree when you're running your own business. Same goes for self-discipline and time management. Managing time effectively and staying disciplined are critical for productivity and success in your own business. Some call it self-motivation or drive. Regardless, if you're saying that you can't push through just for the sake of results or goals, then you are going to struggle in your own business. One of my top skills, because I've worked on this very hard, is strong communication and leadership. These are important for rallying a team, whether that's vendors, contractors, or internal employees. It helps with building relationships and marketing yourself as well. Communication and leadership skills can make all the difference in building a successful venture. And when I'm talking about good leadership, I'm also talking financial acumen. I'm shocked at how many business owners or leaders don't know or understand their numbers. Entrepreneurs need to have a basic understanding of finance and be able to manage budgets, forecast cash flow and make informed financial decisions. Also like just get on your QuickBooks dashboard and read the numbers and Google it if you don't understand. The data shows nearly 70% of businesses under a million in revenue don't have more than one person in them, meaning owner operator. That blows my mind, especially in my field where consulting um, and advisory services are what I do. All I can really do is trade time for money. I have a goal to be just as financially successful, if not way more, I want to more than double what I was making in the past when I was making half a million in somebody else's business. I want to more than double that. And so all I can do is trade time for money. If I'm doing consulting and advisory services, all I can do is keep jacking up my prices. And for me, I want to work with small business owners. And so continually jacking up my prices isn't the answer. I can't scale that way. So I launched last April. I hired my first contractor in August. She was focused on administrative tasks like billing, calendar management. A lot of people talk about hiring a virtual assistant. Mine was pretty much a virtual assistant. She just lived 30 miles from me. Um, that's what I did at first. Then I went to start pushing more into marketing. And so I asked her and she said she'd like to focus more in that area. So then I hired my second contractor in December to go back to the like administration project management pieces. With the amount of revenue I hit in year one, 
my accountant recommended I move from a sole proprietorship to an S-corp. So when I did that in January of this year, I also moved my contractors to W-2 so I could have a little more control of the work, how it gets done, when, and with what tools. If I didn't understand my numbers, I couldn't or shouldn't have competently hired anyone. I wouldn't have hit the level of revenue I did, nor would I have the foundation built so I could continue to push and scale. It's scary, but that's the only way I'm going to get to the goals that I want to reach. Okay, last key indicator to show that you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur is networking and relationship building. This is the hardest for me. I, um, I'm an, an introvert. I don't love networking, but I totally see and know the value in it. So I mentioned this before with communication skills, but this is essential for connecting with customers, partners, potential investors, if you want to go that route, and mentors. Building a strong social network can provide valuable support and resources along your entrepreneurial journey. Recently, I organized like a mastermind of sorts. We're calling ourselves uh, the Money Maids right now, which is named after a women's group that used to meet in my old country club that focused on females and their money and investments. I needed a group where I could share the ups and downs that I'm experiencing on this roller coaster. I wanted to speak boldly about my goals. I wanted to be uh, candid about where I'm at with my revenue. And I wanted to get feedback, support, and encouragement, talk about small business tools, things like that. And just like a typical entrepreneur, I saw several options out there, but none that really fit me um, that I had found. So I just created my own. I've also done a ton of networking on LinkedIn, trying to find, like, for example, I've been reaching out to fractional CFOs that partners really well with my business so we could refer business to one another. Um, I've been talking to a variety of different vendors, so I've got them in my pocket. So when a client has a need, I'm able to reach out with a relationship instead of like, awkwardly stumbling around those. And so it's just, it's super important to focus on that, even though it's something that's a real challenge for me too. I just heard someone say um, on Instagram the other day on uh, Reels that it's so hard to let someone watch you while you're in process. I was just talking to my son this morning after his basketball game about this, about the same thing. So we moved last year and he was an all-star swimmer, like literally going to the all-star meets. He was a top qualifying wrestler, always bringing home trophies and medals. And he was a high score in his soccer uh, team for since he was like three years old. When we moved, we placed him in a very rural school that has none of those sports. So he's starting from scratch. Now he is a natural athlete. I'd like to say like his mama, probably like his dad too, but he's got a lot to learn about these sports. So he started in football and that season went great, but he's a huge fan of watching the NFL and college football. So he knew a lot more about that. We got into basketball season and instead of his coach investing in him, he got benched right out of the gate. It blew my mind because he's a super hard worker um, with a great attitude and he's an obvious athlete, but he was missing out on the fundamentals. So instead of investing him, which I want to totally get on my soapbox about what a crappy choice that is for a youth coach to make. But anyway, that's what's happened. He's been pushed to the side. So I've put him in private lessons and I've been working with him at home. So here's a kid that gets uprooted from the city, plopped in the country. He's not really being welcomed and he's being sat on the bench. I have learned so much from him because I've watched him refuse to give up. He has proudly taken the role of point guard for the B team. 
it's messy, but he's learning and growing so much every single day, every trip down the court. It's just like new business ownership. It's this journey of continuous learning and growth, embracing a growth mindset and being willing to learn from both successes and failures is key to long-term success. I'm still in year one and people are getting a front row seat to my messiness, just like you are. This is a fairly new podcast at this point. If you're going back and listening to this episode, I have not had this out very long and it's been awkward. It's been hard. It's something that I really wanted to do, but I can't wait to get to episode 50 to literally come back and laugh at how awkward it has been, how bad these videos are. I have to start somewhere. If people keep their eyes on me, they're going to watch my come up either as a supporter or as a hater, either fine, either way is fine with me. I'm going to dominate either way, but I know people are getting to watch me in process. That's not near as fun. I loved it when I was the COO, you know, when I would step into a room, I had gotten very comfortable with people knowing who I was, that I was an executive, that my husband was successful. Like we were in this community where that was our life. We've uprooted ourselves, um, not only physically, like we've moved across the state, but we've also with me starting my business, I've taken myself from this successful C-suite um, partner in a business to now being like this no-name no new business that no one's ever heard of. And it's been a huge learning experience for me. It's been so vulnerable. It's been such a wild ride. It's been interesting to watch people um, come out of the woodwork and like literally clap for me. And then other people who I'm like, it would not be that hard for you just to like my post. They're just cruising on by, even though like I'm gritting my teeth every single day to make this happen. Entrepreneurship is wild. So let's do a bit of a recap and talk about like the top five qualities of a good entrepreneur. So we talked about the attributes you would need to be able to succeed. Now let's talk about, like, go a little bit deeper on some of those and expand, talk about five qualities. So visionary leadership. A good entrepreneur possesses a clear vision of what they want to achieve and can effectively communicate that vision to others. They inspire and motivate to work toward the goal, even in the face of challenges. And I would say, also, you launch and you think you know what you're doing, and then you see how the market responds, and then you pivot. Because yeah, I could cast a clear vision for what I launched at in April of 2023. That is not the same business that I'm running today. And we're not even to a year. So that, that leads into resilience and perseverance. We've talked about this a little bit, but entrepreneurship is full of ups and downs. Setbacks are inevitable. A good entrepreneur demonstrates resilience by bouncing back from failures, learning from mistakes and persevering toward the objectives with determination. Grit. If you haven't read Grit by Angela Duckworth, I highly recommend it. I talk with small and mid-sized business CEOs every day, and I know recruitment is at the top of many of their priority lists this year. That's why I've connected several of my clients with Producify X. Producify X exists to provide solutions built around feeding the top of your recruiting funnel with quality, pre-screened candidates without replacing your existing recruiting operations. And this is all done at a fraction of the cost of the traditional outside staffing experience. Think of their solutions as adding a recruiting supercharger to your internal high-performing hiring engine, which is an instant boost of speed and horsepower. Learn more at don'twastethechaos.com forward slash X, or go to their website, producifyx.com and tell them Carrie sent you. 
Next is adaptability and flexibility. This goes along with resilience. So the business landscape is constantly evolving and successful entrepreneurs are adaptable to change. They pivot their strategies, they adjust to the new circumstances and they capitalize on emerging opportunities to stay ahead. Um, here's an example. My current marketing person, um, she's also a real estate agent. She's had an awesome freaking year or last several months in real estate. So she can't give me the time that she needs. I'm going to have to find a new person. So I'm taking the opportunity to reevaluate. I'm going to miss her. But at the same time, I reached out to my podcast company to see how I can expand on that contract. I'm talking to a few other individuals trying to determine if I should go with a marketing firm or if I should hire another person. So just drinking my own Kool-Aid, I'm not wasting the chaos. When things change, take the time to evaluate and take it as an opportunity to solidify yourself. Innovative thinking. So good entrepreneurs are creative problem solvers who think outside of the box. They are constantly seeking new ways to improve in their products, in their services. They want to be disruptive. I love being a disruptor and they meet the evolving needs of customers in innovative ways. They also have good risk management skills. And I'm not talking about when I was an insurance executive talking about risk management. I'm talking about how entrepreneurs inherently um, take risks every day, but successful entrepreneurs are skilled at assessing and managing those risks effectively. They take calculated risks that's backed by thorough research and analysis, and they're prepared to mitigate the potential downsides to pivot. So these qualities collectively contribute to the success of an entrepreneur by enabling them to navigate challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and drive sustainable growth in their ventures. Now, if you've ever taken culture index assessment, you have a logic rating on yourself. I have a logic rating on myself. I'm a huge culture index fan. If you have any involvement with culture index, please holler at me because I want to partner, but they will not work with consultants, which is so frustrating to me. Be innovative people. But anyway, before I close out today, I wouldn't be true to my 10 out of 10 logic rating if I didn't share the dark side. Um, and also shout out to this book, Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership. Another really great book I'd recommend. I will link that and grit both in the show notes. Um, highly recommend those. So starting a new business, like we talked about, it's an accelerating journey, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. Some of the hardest aspects of starting a new business that I've learned, um, you're going to see these kind of be the flip side of the key attributes that you need or the key traits of an entrepreneur. So the first challenge is uncertainty and risk. When I first jumped out of my own, I had been a salaried employee with a pretty hefty salary being an executive level. I'd been a salaried employee plus variable compensation. So high salary and then even higher earnings potential if I made um, hit goals and hit objectives. Walking away from that and going back to zero, just right there, the uncertainty and risk for an entrepreneur is bonkers. And the funny thing is I hear people say stuff like, well, I don't have a spouse that I can lean back on. And I am not like sneezing at my husband. He's highly successful, but he also recently left. He's um, a loan officer and he recently left an organization where he could literally click get lead and leads would come to him. And what he needed to, to do was convert all those leads. He left that the same time that I was leaving my organization and he started at a new place where he generates all of his own business. He's not, he doesn't, there is no get lead button anymore. So 
we both did this at the same time. So while I appreciate and love, like my husband's a hustler, just like me. Um, it's funny to me when people are like, well, I just don't have a husband that you can fall back on. I couldn't fall back on my husband financially when I was doing this because he was flipping the script for himself too. What I could fall back on though, was our relationship and how much he believes in entrepreneurship and how much he believes in me. But that didn't mean that there was no uncertainty or risk for me and for every other entrepreneur, it inherently involves a degree of uncertainty and risk. There's no guarantee of success. There's no guarantee of what the economy is going to do or what people are going to pay for. The outcome of your efforts as an entrepreneur can be very unpredictable. This uncertainty can be daunting, especially when you're investing your time, your money, and your energy into a new venture. That's tough. That's just tough right out the gate. And most people know that part's going to be tough. Some of this other stuff like comes along with it, but most people know that part's going to be tough. You have to be able to overcome that. Let's talk about financial constraints when we're talking about starting a zero. So starting a business often requires a significant financial investment. So whether that's to fund initial operations, like if you've got products or things that you have to pay for right out the gate, retail space, whatever that is. So how to develop your products and services or marketing, promoting your business. There is, there are financial constraints. When I first started, I was like, okay, I'm starting a consulting business. So uh, startup cost is zero. And that was true. I um, filed for my LLC. I don't know. That's like 150 bucks or it's under 200 bucks. It's not much. So I filed for that. That's a small fee. I, of course, I bought my URL, small fee. I launched a website. It was a crappy one. I did it myself, small fee. But as you see, like fee, fee, fee. These are things like it already started building up. Even though I'm a knowledge worker, there were fees along with that. And so that started adding. Well, then I realized I I need to build my email list. So that way I can have um, people to start marketing to outside of social media. I don't like, we do a lot of social media with Salt Night Advisors, but I don't like living in social media because you're playing on somebody else's platform that they could take away from you. So I wanted my own email marketing list. Well, I could send emails myself, but how am I going to manage that from a CRM perspective? How am I going to segment clients and so on? So then I got a contract with Flowdesk and I'll, I'll share my code um, in the show, mo- show notes. If you're interested in that, I can get you a discount. Flowdesk is freaking awesome. Owned by two women named Martha and Rebecca. Um, it's been a great tool for me, but again, a cost to start my podcast. I use Riverside FM, a cost. Um, and then I host on Kajabi, a cost. And these are monthly fees. I buy my Yeti mic, a cost. And I'll try to link all of these things in the show notes to be helpful with you. But, um, and I'll probably do another episode later on how I started my podcast, but still all of these things have costs associated with them. And so there are financial constraints. And I decided not to secure funding from the very beginning. It was easier for me to get things started without doing that from a like ease perspective, not from a financial perspective. So securing funding can be challenging in and of itself, particularly for first time entrepreneurs. If you don't have access to extensive resources or even just the small resources that I had to use, you have to get funding. Well, when you do that, then you've got to jump through more hoops with the bank. You've got to look at interest and how you're going to pay all of that off. So the financial piece is big. But it's something you can totally do and you don't have to um, say like, well, you must have a spouse to fall back on. That's not always the case. Okay, market competition. 
and many industries, competition is fierce. I know there's a bazillion consultants out there. Now to me, when you talk about fractional services, there's way more fractional CFOs, CMOs. I don't see near the CHROs, but that's on the come up. It's happening. Um, but either way, breaking into a saturated market can be difficult. So establishing a unique value prop, a value proposition, and standing out for mere competitors requires careful planning, market research, and strategic positioning. Now, what's interesting with this is a lot of people want to niche out and make themselves completely different. And I'm not totally disagreeing with that. I'm kind of like not your mama's HR shop. So I do have a different lane. I say things like, I know what you say about HR. I don't care. I'm here to help. Um, but that said, like, I am not really that different. I'm offering my 20 years of experience in exchange for some money for me to help you in your business. So that's not that different. I didn't care. Like the more people that are doing what you're doing, the more that just solidifies the fact that people will pay for what you're doing. So don't get hung up on like, oh, it's a saturated market. Like, yeah, you're going to have to do something to like set yourself apart, but that doesn't mean, oh, it's a saturated market. Don't do it. Don't let that be something that holds you back. Okay, next is balancing priorities. We talked about that, like work-life balance. As a new business owner, you're going to wear many hats and juggle multiple responsibilities. I'm going to say all the hats, of course, at first. So balancing the demands of running your business, doing every single role. Like I am an excellent fractional CHRO. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a marketer, even though I did um, do a little, I had a CMO role for a little bit. That was an interesting situation I'll talk about on another episode, but I am not those things. And I definitely felt like I wasn't a salesperson. Um, and I've, I've changed my mind on that. I am a hundred percent a salesperson and I'm a boss at that now, but just trying to figure out how to play all of those roles in your business. And then, cause you have to play all of those roles or your business is going to fail unless you're hiring people right out the gate. So playing all of those roles and then your personal life, your family commitments, other obligations, those are overwhelming at times. And you just have to know you're signing up for that and you're going to do your best in all of those areas, but that's freaking tough. Um, next is navigating regulations and compliance. So of course we've all got, regardless of our field, a legal and regulatory landscape for some fields more than others, it can be more complex, but especially when you're new to entrepreneurship, just knowing what you can and can't do is tough. Here's one simple example. So one of the things that um, I've had a colleague do is they used their LinkedIn list and they took that LinkedIn list and added everyone to their list on their CRM. Now, I would say if they're a LinkedIn connection with you, that might show consent. It could be arguable, but technically you should have people like opt in and consent to your email marketing list. Now, as long as you have capability for them to opt out, then you're probably going to be able to skirt around that. But like, do people know that's a rule um, that you are supposed to follow and that you can get in trouble if you don't? Like a lot of people don't. There's all, that's one very, very tiny, um, low cost potential, but there's licensing requirements, industry regulations, compliance standards. You know, when I flipped my two employees from contractor to um, to W2, like I knew because I'd worked in insurance that I need work comp. Now I hadn't had work comp on myself, but I knew I would need it then. But a lot of people don't. And how do you just know that? Um, unless you've got advisors, mentors, a network, you're talking to other people, you're constantly doing research while you're trying to run your business that, um, that like regulatory and compliance environment can be tough. 
building a strong team. Okay. I know a lot of people aren't thinking about this out the gate, but I would argue, even if you're not hiring people out the gate, you still need vendor partners. That's still a team. I've got an accountant. She's not my employee, but I do pay her, um, not just for taxes, but she's like a, a fractional controller or a fractional CFO. I pay her for that. I hired a branding and marketing firm. Um, shout out to Hoot Design Company based out of Columbia, Missouri. They're awesome. They're not my employee, but they're a partner. I need to be able to build a strong team, know the type of people I want to work with, who's going to align with my mission, vision, and values in my company, even if they're not an employee, knowing who I am and who who fits with me well, who share my vision, who's committed to the success of my business, whether they're an employee or a vendor. This is important. Now, when you go to hire people, now you're in a whole different world because the job market's super competitive right now. And you have to build a cohesive team to foster your work culture. That takes time and effort. Um, when it comes time to recruit, I am going to advise on the type of role that you need, what you should compensate them in. But I partner with recruitment firms because I'm not a recruiter. Um, knowing I know what my strengths are. You should know what yours are and outsource that work. That is part of building your team. And actually, um, I'm sure I had a commercial in here about Producify X. There's another company um, called Elevate that I love too, but I've got plenty of recommendations. I'll link them in the show notes. Next is managing cash flow. We talked a little bit about financial constraints. I just want to dive a little bit deeper. Cash flow management is critical for the survival and growth of any business that can be particularly challenging for new businesses when you've got limited resources, like what we talked about. And even if you went to the bank for funding, you don't want to just blow that like a maniac. So balancing incoming revenue with outgoing expenses, managing AP, your accounts payable, AR, your accounts receivable, and ensuring sufficient liquidity to cover operational costs, that's a constant concern for entrepreneurs. Talked a little bit about marketing and branding when I was talking about partners. Building brand awareness and acquiring new customers is essential for your success of your business, but it can be challenging for a new venture that's got limited visibility and a low marketing budget. So developing an effective marketing strategy, either inside of yourself or partnering with a firm, building a strong brand identity, reaching out to your target audiences, that requires creativity, persistence, and strategic planning and consistency, might I add nonstop. If you are on my email list, God bless you. Thank you. If you're not on my email list, I would love it if you would go to saltandlightadvisors.com forward slash contact and join my email list. I promise you, I bring value in that email list every single week, but I'm consistent with that. I send an email out every single week to foster my email list. I don't want to go dark on them. And plus I want to bring them value. And I want to show them that I've got so much value to bring that if you decided to contract with me as a consultant, I'm going to bring you so much value that you can't even believe. Or if you, um, if you can't consult with me, I've got downloadable tools and resources, but you'd never know that if I'm not bringing you free value first and so nurturing that marketing list is huge. Okay. Next challenge adapting to change the business landscape. Like we talked about constantly evolving successful entrepreneurs, you've got to be adaptable and responsive to change. So whether it's shifts in your consumer preferences, emerging technologies that come out, economic fluctuations, being able to pivot strategies and adapt to new realities. That's essential for your long-term success. Okay. Last is managing stress and burnout. 
Entrepreneurship can be mentally and emotionally taxing, and many new business owners experience periods of stress, anxiety, and burnout. Maintaining a healthy balance, we talked about that earlier, practicing self-care, seeking support from mentors, peers, your professional network can help mitigate those challenges. Um, I'm actually, while you're listening to this, I'm going to be in the Dominican Republic. I pre-recorded this. Um, usually I'm recording them every week, but I pre-recorded this because I need some freaking downtime, y'all. I moved, like I mentioned last year, and um, my husband and I and our son, we used to travel pretty much every month somewhere. Every other month we take our son and we moved and we just quit traveling. Now we were managing two homes during that time period, but I also was building my business. Our son was transitioning his relationships and his sports and all of that stuff. We were trying to get established. Our new home is on 140 acres. Uh, we've got a shed, we've got a boat, like we've got a lot of stuff to maintain. We built a lake. So there's lots of work to be done around here. And I quit traveling and gosh, dang, I need that break. Now I've created a life that I don't want to run away from, like the life that I used to have, that I used to want to escape all the time. I don't have, um, the ways that I used to numb myself. I'm not doing that anymore. I don't have a life that I want to run away from, but I still need things to go out and be playful in. And when I'm here, I want to walk into this cute little office with my little books in the background and I want to work. That's where I'm at. And so we're taking a little trip and I'm trying to help manage some of my stress. I've done as much as I can to give myself the space as an entrepreneur to um, get up in the morning and not jump right into the seat in my office, but uh, bake some sourdough. Or if you know, I'm folding sourdough a lot of times in the morning. Uh, yesterday morning, I made some fresh granola. I have lunch out on my front porch with my Labradors at my feet. I try to do things to help manage. If I was still living in a metropolitan area in a city and still had the social obligations, which I put on myself, admittedly, if I would have, you know, my son's private school obligations, all of his club sports, all of my husband's stuff, the nonprofit work that they do, all of the activities that we had at our church and trying to scale this new business and like try to have friends, um, I, I would be losing my mind right now. And so I'm so grateful that I've taken the steps to help manage some of that stress because starting a new business is a lot and it is so freaking worth it. But if you're not intentionally managing your stress, it will get the best of you. I don't care who you are. It's going to get the best of you because it's hard. So those are the challenges while starting a new business and they can be daunting. Overcoming the challenges are, is part of the journey. It's not just succeeding in your business. It's overcoming all of these challenges too. But if you've got perseverance, if you use your resilience, if you use your strategic planning, I talked about that in a previous episode, um, go back and listen to that episode and I'll link in the show notes, having a strategic plan. Many entrepreneurs can successfully navigate these obstacles and build thriving businesses. I have a goal. Let's say I even fall out of love with this business. I have a goal to make it to five years just because the data shows that nearly 70% of small businesses fail in the first five years. So just out of sheer grittiness, I am going to push through and I hope you do too. And if you're thinking about starting a business, I hope this was helpful for you. You're always welcome to reach out and talk to me. I would always encourage it. But if you do not have these attributes, these key indicators, maybe press pause and figure out what your side hustle can look like and stay in your regular business so you don't turn yourself inside out. So you, you're not burning out and you're not freaking out and causing a ton of anxiety in your life. It's not for everyone, but if it's for you, 
do it. Jump in. It's worth it. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next time. And until then, remember, don't waste the chaos. Instead, use it to make the tough calls and move forward. Let's go. And that wraps up another episode of Don't Waste the Chaos. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of HR, people ops, and small business with us today. Whether you're a seasoned HR pro, a business owner navigating the complexities of managing a team, or just someone curious about the dynamics of the workplace, we appreciate you joining us. If you found value in today's conversation, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. I would love it if you would share this podcast or this episode with your colleagues, friends, or anyone who could benefit. And two extra credit points if you leave us a review. We love hearing from our listeners, so don't hesitate to reach out. You can connect with us on social media or on our website, don'twastethechaos.com. And we always welcome your thoughts, questions, and suggestions for future topics. If you'd like to be featured, we'd love to hear from you. Before I sign off, a quick reminder to check out our show notes for additional resources, links, and any references mentioned in today's episode. As we navigate the ever-evolving landscape of HR and small business, always remember, in chaos, there's opportunity. Don't waste it. Embrace it. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, stay inspired, stay informed, and keep thriving in the chaos.